Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and my guest today is Adam Robinson. He's the CEO and co-founder of Get Emails, an email retargeting software company. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Permission-ish Marketing. In today's episode, he's going to give us a background on his professional journey and how Get Emails has evolved over the years. Why don't you, for people that don't know about Adam Robinson, first of all, you guys here, as I, you guys probably heard it through the intro, we have Adam Robinson here today, um, is the founder, co-founder or founder? You're the founder. You're the like... Founder, yeah. I mean, co-founder for both-ish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. For the always... idea, but I, I, we, we, I have co-founders. You know, it's the same group as our last company, Rogue. Ah, good, good, so. good. So, and I think we'll, we'll jump into that. So... Um, been doing this for a long time. Like, I don't think it gets any, anybody bigger than Adam when it comes to emails and, and, you know, doing the right thing there, which we were just talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. And this is, you know, if now is the time, if you haven't realized it, maybe now you need to start, you know, pulling in emails and grabbing, you know, subscriber lists and growing things to be able to grow this in a time where, you know, where you're like, wait a second, if you, you weren't grabbing those before, you need to be grabbing them now. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But what I want to do is I want to jump into Adam's background. So Adam, we're going to do a little, a little, some fun fact check with you and see what you got going on. Like, where did you grow up? You're currently in Austin, correct? Austin, Texas. That's right. Austin, Aspen. I looked at your Instagram, so it doesn't look like you have a home. It looks like you all you do is travel. So I was a little envious of that, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so where did you grow up in Austin? We So I grew up in Houston mostly, which is just like two and a half hours down the road. And for five years, when I was five to 10 years old in Wilton, Connecticut, my dad was in the oil business. So like you're pretty much either in Texas or, you know, Greenwich, Connecticut is like where a lot of these other guys are. Um, gotcha. But yeah, bounce back and forth through there. So oil. So your dad was poor. So that made he's, no he's money. He was an oil trader, actually. He yeah, started he poor. You know, I grew up on a farm. Like, it's one of these stories where you know, he's a smart kid, went to UT, got a job as an engineer, and then um, saw these traders who were just, like, absolutely killing it. It was like, no, I think he was, like, sitting in a research analyst seat, saw that the traders were killing it, made his way over said, there. And then, said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of this thing. I got to jump on this exactly side where the money's at. Yeah. Like, it's like we're both working the same hours of the day. And these guys yeah. are making 10 times yeah. more than me. Like, how do I get to be one of them? Like, yeah, that makes you know. sense. I, I, you know, it's so funny through the career we've been, I've been doing this well in the digital space or at least in digital marketing for marketing space for 25 years. And there has been a few years where I'm like, man, I think I should be on that side. I feel like there's some really cool stuff that's happening on that side. Of course, the, the career, you know, accelerated and good things happen. But, you know, you're all, you look at that and you go, man, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, wait a second, what are you guys doing over there? Because your office is just right next to mine. And you and, seem and to have a lot like shinier things. Doing, it looks like you're doing the same thing as I'm doing because we're just yeah. both sitting in a computer. So like, yeah, you're just smiling a lot more than I am. Right. So I need to figure out like, how do we do that? Yeah, I'm reasonably certain I could sit at a computer 10 feet away from here. Yeah, which is exactly. <laughs> and I think I potentially even might be smarter than you, but I'm not fully yeah. sure of that. But I, I do think that we can make something happen. So that's awesome. So how big, so obviously you there between Texas and Connecticut. And then how big was your family growing up? Did you have a lot of brothers and sisters, anything? Had, it was three kids and my parents were still married. So it was like a really kind of, you know, boring in a sense. It was like a really loving household not a lot of pro you know not a lot of drama like don't have one of these stories where it's like yeah you know it was it was just a very sort of middle class you know suburban sport yeah. you know musical yeah. events like emphasis on education um it was a really nice way to grow up yeah i was gonna say it sounds awesome you know i mean it's like you, you get to see either that like we have the robinsons or we have the kardashians that it's just drama and crazy well, and it's like yeah, I mean, 
this is I mean, that's we live in today. It, yeah, it, it is, right? <laughs> we can definitely agree on that. I mean, not only between COVID and everything else, it's like, I think I just heard a thing, and not that we even need to talk about this, but they're like, I guess Kanye West just said, congratulations to Ken for becoming a billionaire. Uh, so who knew that? I mean, it's exciting news, I know. Because yeah. you're thinking, wow, what? how can I make a billion dollars? And you're like, you really don't have to do anything. You can just yeah. kind of... There's a few things, two features you need to have. But other than that, the, the, the world is your oyster. Mm -hmm. um, so any fun facts? I mean, you said you had a pretty, like, even keel, you know, growing up life. I mean, it sounds like, you know, instruments and stuff, ed education being the key. It was kind of, I feel like it was, there was a lot of parallels to mine. My dad was an educator and kind of said, hey, you can do this. And it was nothing, anything too right or left on anything that we did, you know, just kind of like in the middle. Um, is there any cool, interesting facts? I mean, other than maybe places that you lived or anything fun, like, you know, I mean, I guess your parents have been married for what? 30 years, 40 years? What are we looking at here? Forever. 50? Yeah. You know, my brother was a really good swimmer. He, he was the first high school swimmer to ever swim a 53 in under 20 seconds. I mean, it's in It's pretty cool. Then he went to Stanford and um, actually my co-founder was one of his swim swim team mates at Stanford. He was also a comp, really? a comp CTO. But he, so he only tried out for the Olympics in 2004 in the 100 breast. He got third by a tenth of a second. But then the next year at NCAA championships, he beat the gold medalist in the 50 free. So he's like, man, like, I should have, like, tried out for that. I know. Like, you know, since you're eight years old, all you want to do as a swimmer is, like, Olympic medal, right? It's all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's the goal, goal, right? It's not like LeBron James. I get, I'm gonna, you know, it's like that's the only thing in that sport. It's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's um, either you hit hit that or you don't, right? There's not like yeah. professional swim teams that you go and watch. Right, yeah. And that was, you know, it was fun to sort of like watch that from, from pretty close. It's just amazing what those guys do to themselves, you know? Like all through high school, two-day workouts, like like Tate, my co-founder, is a comp sci major and a swimmer at Stanford. So like basically all his hours were accounted for, you know? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> so he didn't – so when did he breathe? I mean, I'm not even eating. Yeah, Eating's a whole nother situation. Exactly. Like, like, I don't know how they, they do that, but I think it just – these swimmers come out of that sport with such unbelievable discipline. And, like, I don't think anything is ever as hard as that the rest of their lives, you know? Yeah. Like, jobs are a joke. They're like, uh, okay, so I was swimming eight hours a day, which was extremely physically demanding, and I was studying eight hours a day. So, yeah. Like, I can definitely work eight hours a day. Yeah, I can make <laughs> it in by 8 a.m. Like, it's going to yeah. be fine. Don't worry about me. I'll take care of myself. Right. I know I'll get my work done. Because you're like, yeah, because this is, like, going to be a thousand times easier than being a swimmer and being a college student and going to Stanford, right, last time I checked. Right. So I guess the really what you're saying is that you should co-found with people that were swimmers that try to be that try to get gold medals. And anybody in the swim team at a college level would be a good co-founder. It's, it's worked for us. You know, so – one of the next questions is like, what was your first job out of college? And uh, my, I worked at Lehman Brothers. Um, yeah. And funny enough, my dad worked at Enron as an oil trader. So like we caught these two bankruptcies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also found that, you know, there's so like the typical guy who trades credit default swaps at Lehman Brothers is like, you would just like categorize it as like the lax bro who, from like Yale or like yeah. Or something like these Ivy League like lax dudes, yeah, guys. Um, but like you get swimmers in there too, and like the swimmers are always just like they're such good kids, you know. Yeah, because you can't you can't be bad. Like there's you have no time to do anything wrong. Yeah, like, what no do you? Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no like what do you do? Like yeah. I I wanted to do something bad, but I was swimming. Like and I had to <laughs> study afterwards. It it is. I I do know, and I remember looking at it was uh, I think it was Michael Phelps. Like looking at his like how like his process. 
was like every day the exact same thing. Like this yeah. is do this and then you do this. It was like, I, you don't miss a beat. You poop at this time, you yeah. pee at this time, you look up at this time, you do this for this time. I mean, it was like, I remember looking at that and thinking, man, like I don't, you know, I wonder if they had times to actually slash his back with a whip or like if he just, I mean, he, at a certain point he'd just go. It was coach said that he, so like what he did differently than other people was he worked out seven days a week. Like there was this school of thought that like your body needs to recover and their attitude was just like, well, we're going to try to not do that. And apparently part of his, you know, like these guys are such mental animals, right? It's just yeah. like impossible to describe how important the mental game is, you know, to like being a truly elite athlete. Like you just can't be a mess and be that good, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of his biggest things that his coach said that I read was just like, he never burnt out. Just, it wasn't in him to ever get tired of this repetition, you know? Um, which is, is great. I mean, I don't, I can't do it. You know? No, I mean, just talking about it. Yeah. Just talking about it makes me tired. Like I'm going to go get my inhaler and go lay down and grab my pacifier. Like it just, the the fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That will definitely be the difference between Shane and swimmers. They're like, well, I'm not supposed to drink. And I'm like, I'll drink your beer then. Cause I'm here to help. Obviously I'm a team player. You can't, Um, you're, you're an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, so I'm a beer athlete. So there we go. I've got to, I've got to train seven days a week. So that's the only thing that I could probably physically train at and be, uh, I don't know if I'd make the Olympics, but I think I'm pretty good at it, but I'm Irish. So it's kind of, that's kind of the yeah. way that you're raised blood. that way. Yeah. What am I supposed literally, to do? Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Like I obviously can't cook, but the beer thing. Yes. I mean, invite me over. I'll definitely help you knock your keg out or something, but well, cool. So we got a little background on Adam here, you guys. So I think next, what we're going to jump into, we're going to talk about, get emails. Um, and Adam has a really interesting background because it's it really, I want to talk a little bit about the college because you went to Rice College and then you have a little bit of a financial background, right? And then it's kind of because you were at Lehman Brothers and stuff like that. And so let's talk about that. I want to talk about a little bit of your background and then I want to talk about get emails and, and what you've got there and what you guys have created. So tell us a little bit about your college experience and that like your, give us a little bit of your journey. It doesn't have to be a long description, but just where you like you know, Lehman Brothers and how you moved on and kind of that little journey. Sure. Yeah. It was so, at, you know, I always kind of thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur for some reason. I don't know why I had that in my head, but um, you know, these, these wall street jobs, if you could get them going out of college, you just got them, you know, it's like, it was, it, they paid yeah. great. And it was just like, felt like it was the big boys. And you know, there was just these guys that were super young, were absolutely killing it at the time. So um, somehow finagled my way into, or found my way into, trading credit default swaps at Lehman, which unbeknownst to me, five years later would be like, they're making movies about it, right? The big short, it's like that job. Um, And that was awesome. But even more interesting than that was I show up in Manhattan and my roommates at the time are starting this website called Vimeo, like in the apartment, right? So, I mean, it's like one of the, it was a top 10 website on the internet at one point, right? It was just this really cool. So I watched that happen and you know, it just seemed like, I think, I think what, what like really kills people's souls who are Wall Street guys that still have souls before they're, before they're, yeah, it's like, um, like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like this idea that, that, you know, you're just extracting money from yourself out of the system at the end of the day. It's, you know, it's not a bad job, but it's just, there's not much satisfaction that comes from it, right? Yeah. Like you're not building anything. And it yeah. just seemed like these guys were like having so much better of a time you know, doing, we were both doing great. Like we were like, you know, this CBS trajectory, I happened to get lucky enough to catch 
was unbelievable. It was just like so good. Like we did so much better than the guys 10 years before us, so much better than the guys 10 years after us. Um, but still it was, was not, you know, I had this, your purpose idea. Yeah. I had this idea that I wanted to like start a tech company in this cool apartment like my buddies did. Um, and then, you know, the crisis happened and a bunch of right? yeah, a bunch of regulation happened in the market that I was in and it just made it really easy to like walk away. Um, so I had some money saved up. I started trying to make investments, which were all horrible investments. And, you know, if I just would have done the opposite of what I did, like I would have made a dollar. like million dollars invested. I had a dollar for what I passed on versus what I invest. You know, I passed on like Barkbox, like Plaid. Plaid just sold for $5 billion. That was the first meet investor meeting that I had after I quit finance. Um, it was just insane what I ended up doing and not doing, but still it, it worked out. No, no regrets. Yeah. Um, and somehow I found my way into this email marketing space, which is a long and great story, but I'll save it for another time. Yeah. Um, and then we basically had this incredible customer acquisition strategy that was finite. Like this, this we found on the biggest companies at the time on the outside of their website, we found, 250,000 customer records that they didn't know were there. Like non-password protected. They're just creating a community page for these people that had first, last business name and zip code, right? And the amazing part of it was there was a six digit uh, unencrypted number in the URL that if you scale by one, it was a dead page. And if you scale by two, it was the next guy, right? So like, we just like with Tor IPs and like so <laughs> over, over like three months, we like captured all this data you know, send it overseas, got the people to give us phone numbers back. And like, you know, your first product took me forever. It like took us forever to build this. We did all, made all the mistakes. We like got a built product, got built overseas. And then, you know, Tate just rebuilt the entire thing. And then like, you know, for us, we were like having somebody else build this editor and like, we're about to launch and the guy built the editor for web instead of email HTML. So like up oh, three month delay, you know, it's just horrible. It took 18 months Something. to get a product. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, spent tons of just so much more money. And, and you know, like we started selling the, the it was get 50% more opens for half the price. That was the original value proposition. So I started selling like $15, $20 subscriptions over the phone, right? Which just takes forever to get to cash flow positive. I mean, luckily the list was great. So like our conversion rate was really good, but still yeah. when you're paying salaries to like bring on one, one on one by one, these $15 subscriptions, it's just, you know, it, it's horrible. It is excruciating but eventually and that was a really funny thing too because i had this like idea that i wanted to start this company in this crazy apartment is like you know mtv crib style loft these guys were like living in or whatever and i was living in there with them um and like slowly but surely at one point there were like 39 cold callers coming into my apartment every day <laughs> it was just you know we throw <laughs> we throw like one desk at a time up and then like you turn around and it's like well all three bedrooms are taken up with people now i guess we'll start putting them in the living room you know and like, it's like, oh man, like we need like another place for dudes to pee. Like I think maybe we'll just like start having them pee in the sink in the, <laughs> in the, in the laundry room. Like, yeah, Next. Like, and, and, yeah. And then, and then that ended. So like we chopped from like 39 to like six basically, because all the people were just there calling this list that, that ended. And we were in this situation where the email marketing space is incredibly difficult. Like there's yeah. 200 vendors, MailChimp dominates it. Like, 
Clavio, Active Campaign, ConvertKit, like they've all done a good job at doing stuff that MailChimp isn't doing in there. Yeah. But I still think MailChimp's growing faster than anybody else, and they're like 10 times as big as anybody at this yeah. point. Um, so, and their products, everyone thinks it's free. You know, by the time they learn it's not, like they've been, they're, they're not going to switch. They're already in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just incredible brand, incredible company, incredible culture. I just admire that company so much. Uh, very difficult to compete with. They put a stranglehold on this market. Um, where you could have only done a few things and you had to be really positioned the right way to do them. Um, I mean, well, that's a debatable point, but they've done a great job. Let's leave it. Yeah. So um, we spent like three years trying to come up with ways to do stuff that they were not doing, just failing over and over again. You know, probably spent like a million bucks on devs over that period of time, just building stuff, abandoning it. Like, oh, let's this feature, that feature. If we did this and that, then maybe we could get this part of the market that they're not doing, you know. Uh, and then eventually, like, I stumbled across this identity resolution market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a buddy of mine is who's kind of helped us along with this guy, Ryan Urban. He's CEO of this company called BounceX in New York, which is like, uh, you know, you call it an enterprise grade lead generation software slash marketing firm that charges on a SaaS model, right? Like big company, 100 million in revenues, you know. Uh, and they wanted to acquire an email service provider like Worldly at some point. So he just called me and asked me if I'd be interested in selling. I mean, I don't think he really wanted to buy ours because we weren't really his customer base, but like mm-hmm. um, maybe somebody who's a little more upmarket. It was a buyer build thing they were trying to do. And started talking about this and you know, long story short, I was like, man, like, so what they were doing at the time is they were just identifying people for e-commerce sites that were on people's list already, but like not logged in and allowing them to send more of these abandonment emails, right? Cart abandonments, whatever else. Cause like, that's a big portion of people who aren't logged in, but put stuff in their cart and yeah. leave. Yeah, Major yeah, for sure. Problem. So first I was like, can I try to sell that just along with Robley, you know? And we could not get a person to listen to that. It's just so, it's such a, you know, if I start talking to you about email marketing and switching, like you just go blank. You're like, I don't care. I have, I've solved the problem. Like, I don't care what feature you have. Like, I'm not listening, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I was having lunch with him. He's like, I think the real money is in selling email addresses of people that aren't on these people, people's lists yet, which like you can do in the U S you can't really do in Europe and Canada, but like our investors won't let us do it. Blah, blah, blah. If you want to JB this, is something, you know, whatever. So it kind of like, I started mentioning that at the end of conversations we were having when we were trying to sell this like bounce X technology wrapped in with, with Robley. And like, you could just see people's faces light up. They're like, well, yeah, that's what I want. I want more email addresses. You know, like I don't, don't talk to me about sending more emails to people that I'm already sending too many emails to. Like I want to send, I want people who are not on my list yet because I want to grow my business. Right. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah then it's like, all right, like, you know, I kind of asked them, like, how do we talk about this other business, right? And then they're so busy doing all this other stuff. It's like the whole situation died. And meanwhile, I started just, you know, you start going down these rabbit holes. It's like, who can I talk to that, like, knows about this, right? So, like, you know, I met this one guy. Um, he's got an agency. And, you know, he's used all these technologies. And he's like, well, you know, BounceX does that. But, like, several other guys that do it, too. Like, they're all very small there's a couple different parts of the market and yeah, there's some that just sell you the, 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 the record. And he's like, the problem is they're not software guys. 
The products are really hard to use. You got to sign contracts, no matter how big the customer is. You have to build your own integrations and everything. He's like, if you could just like make this product easy, Mailchimp is. He's like, I think it'd take off. You know, he's like, if if you did the sell them email addresses they didn't have, he's like, big guys won't touch it. But like, there's this whole space of the market. Little guys be all over it. And like, by the way, some little guys are are huge in terms of traffic and email. Like, there's two three man companies that are doing millions of unique views a month. Yeah. Hey, like 50, 100 grand a month for email marketing, right? Like it's just, you know, there's just Crazy. part of the world that you never know about unless you were exposed to it, right? So, yeah. you know, that started this journey of like, well, how do they do it? How do we do it? And then that took like another year to figure out. And then, so we, yeah, we figured out how to put all the pieces together in the background. And then we're like, we'll put it inside of Robly as a feature, right? And the funny thing about that was, um, like people would, would sign up for the identity product for this email-based retargeting product. We call it Robly ID. They would, horrible user experience. They would not use any other part of Robly and they would download files every day and upload them into like Clavio or Drip or whatever they were using. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So like, you know, at the, and, and you know, I've like been really into like reading Y Combinator stuff about like product market fit and like whatever. And like, that's like a sign. It's like, if someone's willing to endure a horrible user experience, <laughs> Yeah, there's something there. Pay for your crappy product, right? Like, yeah. Then, then there's there's probably something there. So, um, so yeah, we it became you know, and then we started doing these like interview the customer interviews, and, and these people were just like, this is an eleven out of ten, you know, like you know, I was buying opt-in email addresses for two dollars and fifty cents. You're selling these to me for a quarter. They open and click the same. Like I sell advertising against my JV newsletter for like, you know, it's like, okay, cool. So uh, this is a crappy product right now because we're trying to make people do something they don't want to do and switch, switch ESPs. Right. Yeah. And quite frankly, the other ESPs are better than our ESPs. We haven't, we haven't built automation yet, put it off for five years. Um, This is a great product if it's connected to everything. And like the guy said, it's just, you're up and running in 60 seconds. Right. Yeah. Keep it easy. Like this was like, so, you know, of course, I will preface this by saying we failed over and over again on my ideas for the last three years. But watching this one come to fruition was just like, oh, my God, how much I have learned, how far I have come. Right. Like, yeah, it's awesome. I got, I didn't you get there, like, right? I didn't want to like I didn't want to like steer the mothership away from I didn't want to like it was still kind of a, a, a pipe dream before you build something. It's like I don't want to distract people from improving Robley still because that's his cash cow. It's paying all our bills. But like, so I mocked up the UI on Snagit. I got a girl on Upwork to make it all Photoshops. I got another person on Upwork to code all the HTML and CSS. And then Tate, my CTO, spent two weeks on it, making a minimum viable product, like just a yeah. script you put on your site, specials, whatever. So start to finish, it was a nine week build. Right. So launched it on November 1st of last year, spent five grand on ads in the first month and had 10 K MRR by the end of it, by the end of month one. Right. So it's just like this, this process, you know, just like, and there's a lot of lessons in there. Right. One is like, you know, I think you just have to go through it all to like, have that kind of like, you know, you gotta be punched in the face a thousand times. I mean, it's literally what happened. There's no other way. And then there's this other great lesson where it's like, you know, 
when your small bootstrap lifestyle SaaS company that you wanted because you read Four Hour Work Week in Thirty Seven Signals seven years ago, like, <laughs> like when you're trying to will that thing forward and it's not moving, and you just tilt slightly to another market that's like super new and has no competition, like, dude, like, it's like we, we, are, we, so, so currently. We, I spent, we basically done all our advertising on Facebook. This, I, I wasn't expecting this, but like we do these stupid ads, my girlfriend and I, it's a new ad every week. They're, I, you know, my, my view is like, and, and like, I'm not even big on social media. I just had this view that like, you're not really competing with software companies. You're competing with people's timelines. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the machines love faces. And like, if you could create this like 60 second sitcom every week, like people would actually start anticipating the ads and like you'd really be able to develop a market that way. Um, and ours are ridiculous. And like, you know, people like the other interesting thing about our product is they get incredible engagement because if you just describe what getting emails does to people, like 50% of the population will have a passionate negative reaction to it. They're like, that's a total violation of privacy. You're stealing people's information. You're the scum of the earth. You should fucking die. Right. So like you get all these comments and like you can wind these people up and get them to write you back 10 times and like then Facebook thinks this ad is like gold, you know, it's like this so like engagement reach, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The reach that it gets, it's like kind of like it's a Donald silly. Trump strategy. It's like, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this alt right sort of, you know, it's like uh, anyway. So we've spent one hundred and twenty seven thousand. I looked yesterday, one hundred twenty seven grand on these Facebook ads and we're doing two point two annual recurring revenue now. Right. So it's like. We've Since spent, November of last year. Yeah, 127 on ads for 188 MRR. I'm just, it, it's like, that's the market you want to be Freaking in. Beautiful. And it's the same, the, same, and the same guy who was trying for three years to grow this fucking email marketing business and couldn't get a movement, you know? So like, it's just such a great sort of Story. like- Story, love that, yeah, no, man. It's, it's such a lesson, right? Because like, there's, there's two ways to look at this thing, right? It's like- and, and I've had people for years telling, giving me both pieces of advice. Like the one piece of advice, which is the easiest one to take is dude, you know, your business is clearing a hundred grand a month and you're splitting it with your partners. Like, wouldn't that be a lot better if it were 200 grand a month? Couldn't you just get it there? And it's like, surely I can get it there in a total addressable market of billions of dollars. I'm going to try, yeah. you know? And like, it's just really hard in that competitive situation, right? Like where, where are you going to find those customers for? From, yeah. Right. Like MailChimp's bidding up every single channel and where it's so competitive. Anyone else, anyone else to acquire. Right. And then the other piece of advice from people who really know, which is like way more of this Y Combinator philosophy is just like getting a good market, you know, like the best markets that you you will grow in the most capital efficient way if you have no competition. Right. Yeah. But, right. Um, for sure. So, I mean, it's just—it's well, finding like, that finding that niche, finding that angle, right? I mean, that's that's what oh. you guys did. It's like grinding, grinding, grinding. You're like, man, we're yeah. I'm going up against, I'm banging my head against the wall for years. We spent God knows how much money, and you know, and we're both, we're not doing too bad, but God, it's just like you know, we're trying to take over this five percent of the market because yeah. Mailchimp has the other ninety-five. We're struggling and trying to figure it out. And then you said, wait a second, maybe if I you know worked on these email IDs and you know validated or make sure they were good and obviously people need more of that, right? I mean, great information, right? Data is key. So what is- And there was so something interesting going in that other market where it had been around for a while. 
I had evidence from people that were using the other products that the products worked and it was like a reasonably good solution, but like none of, they were all tiny because like the, the package of product and marketing was not good. You know, one of the companies, like it was just a, the way they explained it was un, unclear. Yeah. It was really hard to get started in the other company. It was like a very, it was like they sold five things and this was like 10% of what they sold and they just didn't mm. care about it. And they weren't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I was like, oh, like this is a great opportunity to like explain it how I think it should be explained, give people resources to understand it, how they should have and like, you know, whatever, and make the product sweet from a software perspective, right? Yeah, only nine weeks to do that. So if for anybody that's, that's listening to this, so give us your, your pit. So what exactly is get emails? Like what is like, what have you guys built there? I want like, so anybody's listening to this and says, hey, I think I get what he does. Validate what you guys have created here. So we, you put our script on your website. And we can identify full personally identifiable information of up to 35% of your anonymous traffic, people who didn't fill out forms. And we'll send you all of that information straight to your email marketing app in real time. So right. let me, let me, let me, let me translate people. It's called gold. It, it, you're in a situation <laughs> where, you know, you get a hundred people come to your website and, and how much information do you collect? You get one person out of that hundred, right? So we have 99 people that leave. So what Adam's telling you is that you can get another 30%, up to 30% of people get their information when they just came and looked at your website for a minute, two minutes, five minutes, they've come, I don't know how many times, and you don't know who those individuals are. And now you have the opportunity. Like that doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, if you want to really spit here on Friday, we're going to go freemium for like 95% of the market because I worship MailChimp so much. It's 500 emails per month for free for anyone with a website in the USA forever. Shut the it's front just stupid. Door. Like it's silly. I've never heard of a value proposition that good. Ma <laughs> MailChimp, we're coming for you. Just so you know, just, so you know, you better be scared, be nervous. Well, well obviously it's, it's different. You know, it's different, but yeah, exactly. Fortunately, I'm not competing with them this time. Now you can work with them. Yeah. They're right. Now you can just send the emails to their, yeah. to, to MailChimp. Exactly. So good. So we've got an idea of, of what you've built here and, and the struggles and what it took to get there. Right. I, I love the. We have some similar backgrounds. I mean, I also, one of the companies I started was literally in my living room and my you know, wife's like, Oh great. We, you know, 3000 square foot home. And all of a sudden the living room, and then we started putting desks in there, putting desks. So I was laughing about your 30 and 40. Yeah. We probably had 15 guys in there and it was Christmas time. My wife's like, what are we going to do with all the desks? So we have everybody right. coming over for Christmas and I'm like, we'll put tablecloths on them. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Like you, you see, I literally, that's what I told her. I was like, well, we'll just, we'll put Christmas decorations on them. She's like, what about all the wires everywhere? And I'm like, baby, this, it's a startup. Like this, this is like what happens. You know, she wasn't yeah. super pumped about that. Grandma's like, yeah. why do you have all the wires everywhere? And I'm like, it's called bootstrapping grandma. Like, I'm not going to try to explain it to you. It's like, it's like when you would go to somebody else's like, you know, yard and you would steal their flowers or something, right? We're, we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to do this at a minimal cost. Thanks, Adam. It was fun talking to you about building Get Emails and getting some insight into email marketing world. We're going to talk about how retargeting emails in the next episode. So stay tuned in Shane Barker's Marketing Growth Podcast.